Happy Memorial Day weekend. Labor Day weekend, I mean. That was a test for you. Uh, Labor Day weekend is, is fun. I always think of yard work and barbecues. That's, that's kind of what we've been doing. We had a fun barbecue last night with a bunch of Mosaic College students, and um, we're having another barbecue tomorrow night. We're having some friends over. And so to kind of prepare for this, I had to get my yard ready. And uh, I, I've shared this before, but we have this blackberry bush that goes the entire length of our property that's just kind of wild and growing over the fence. And, and I've kind of deferred maintaining it for a while. So yesterday was the day, um, and the battle begun, and round one went to the blackberry bush. I got my weed eater out there and started going, and my weed eater snapped and broke. So I rallied and went and got my machete. Round two went to me. Um, and I have the victory over the blackberry bushes, and the barbecue went well. It was, it was quite exciting. Uh, but it's, it's so good to be here with you guys today, and just singing, celebrating, getting to uh, say these words about our Savior. Uh, my name is, is Adam. If I didn't mention, I'm a, a pastor here at Mosaic, and I, I get to open scripture uh, with you this morning. We've been in a teaching series this entire year called The Story. And uh, week to week, we have a reading plan that is walking us through scripture, and the weekend talks are coming from that reading plan. And, and actually, um, we're starting the reading plan new today, September 1. If you didn't grab one of these, you can grab one at the welcome table on your way out. And it just is a reading plan that walks you through a couple of chapters a day. And, and if you're reading, you're going to hear what you're reading on the Sunday talk and um, what this has looked like for the summer is we have been journeying through the book of, of Proverbs, this, this book of wisdom, this book that, that describes to us the thoughts of God and, and, and how he's put all of this in motion and, and how we can align ourselves with his thoughts. And for the month of, of September, we're actually going to be shifting focus to another book in the Bible um, where Proverbs is in the Old Testament. We're going to be looking at a New Testament book called First Peter. And uh, 1 Peter is a book that was originally written as a letter to a church that is uh, it, it's describing its information about how to be a church, what it means to be a Christian, and there, there's implications uh, for us as individuals as we follow Jesus. There's implications in 1 Peter of what it means to be the church of Jesus. And it's, it's just this powerful book, but, but as we make this shift from Proverbs to, to Peter, I, I, I want to read this one scripture in Colossians that is actually written by Paul, and I, I think it helps us bridge these two things, and it's, it's this beautiful thing about our Bible and how it's so interconnected, and it says this in uh, Colossians 2, starting verse 2, Paul writes, my goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love, so that they may have the full riches and complete understanding in order that they may know that we may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And isn't that amazing? As we're switching our focus from one book of the Bible to this another book, or to a different book in the Bible, that, that, that it's interconnected, that it's interwoven, that, that because we go from the book of, of wisdom to the book of Peter, we're still looking at wisdom because we're looking at Jesus who personifies wisdom. And so this part of the story that, that we're walking through, this part of the story that, that's going to be told to us from 1 Peter is a part of the story that, that's talking about Jesus who he was and what he's done and what the implications are for you and me because of his story. 
Now, I, I love stories. I love hearing stories. I love telling stories. They, they, they really are a container that can hold so much. They can make us laugh. They can make us cry. Um, stories can, can hold truth. Stories uh, can, can let us know of new things. But, but some stories... Some stories have huge implications, right? There's, there's things that you've heard in your life and you've learned in your life, and after you've heard that, after you've learned it, it, it kind of changes everything going forward. Well, the story that we're going to be looking at today, it, it has a name, and we find it in the book of 1 Peter, and we find it all over in this Bible, and the name of this story is, is called The Gospel. The gospel might be a, a term that, that we've heard before, and it's, it's used in different contexts, and it's used to, to communicate different things, but, but the gospel is the story of, of Jesus, of who he was, what he said, and what he's done. The, 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 the word, the gospel, it literally means good news. So it's not just a story, it's a really, really good story. The gospel is the story of what Jesus has done for you and what he's done for me and what that means for our church. So if you have your Bible, um, flip with me to 1 Peter. If you didn't bring a Bible, no worries. It, it's probably on your phone. We also have Bibles on the shelves and the wings here. It'll be on the screen. Making it as accessible as we can. Um, 1 Peter is towards the end of the Bible. It's a, it's a small book, and if you've hit Revelation, you've gone too far. Turn back. You turn and while you're turning there, I, I want to talk a little bit about the author. I want to talk a little bit about Peter. I, I love Peter. Okay, Peter was, was called by Jesus. He was one of, of, of 12 men um, who are called disciples who, who really walked with Jesus in the flesh, heard his actual words, saw his miracles, spent time day and night with this guy. He was one of his disciples. And, and his story begins, we read in, in Matthew, the beginning of the New Testament, chapter 4, where he is out one day and he is fishing, which looks like throwing nets into the water, trying to get fish because he's a fisherman. And, and it's kind of a, a good profession for him. He, he's kind of blue collar, a little rough around the edges. And, and he, he's out there fishing. And Jesus comes and says, hey, why don't you start to follow me, and, and I'll make you a fisher of men. And the thing about Peter that, that I love and, and maybe relate with, and maybe you too, is he is kind of a act first, think second kind of guy. Is that, is that you? Maybe you know someone? Yeah, that's, that's a little bit me. I got to be honest. I, I love that he's a man of action. Let's just go for it. And, and sometimes this is just like so brilliant, and he steps out in faith, and we champion him. And then other times it's like, oh, Peter, that, that was not good. You should not have done that. And, and this is our author. This is the guy who's telling us a story. And let me just give you a couple bullet points about Peter. Peter was rebuked by Jesus more than any other disciple. <laughs> yes. Um, Peter also was the one who tried to rebuke Jesus and tried to correct Jesus. Uh, Peter also confessed Jesus more boldly and accurately than any other disciple. But Peter also denied Jesus forcefully and publicly. Jesus praised Peter more than any other disciple. And Jesus addressed Peter as Satan alone among the disciples one time. And Peter is acknowledged as the, the leader of the New Testament church. So we see this, just, this kind of ordinary, radical guy, right? The, the wins, the losses, this, this is who he is. And, and, and what I love about hearing about the author of what we're going to read is it, is it gives me access to the story too, because I, I find myself in that story. 
Man, I find myself with lots of mistakes and good intentions and, and looking at our storyteller and seeing he is not perfect in any way, but his story highlights the power of God, the power of this story called the gospel. So First Peter, we're starting in uh, verse 1, or chapter 1, verse 3, rather. And Peter writes this. Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. Man, I... That's a mouthful. There's something about those three simple verses that when I read it, they jump off the pages at me. The implications and and, and what he's communicating in these three simple verses are huge. Did you catch it? You will. We're going to dive into it. One of the things that he says is that God has given us a new birth into living hope. Yeah, a new birth into living hope. Hope. Now, this idea of, of, of being birthed, this idea of being born, didn't come from Peter. They didn't originate with him. He actually heard Jesus talk about this and, and, and have a conversation to Nicodemus about this. We can, we can read it in John 3, where, where Nicodemus is, is, is wondering, what does it mean to follow Jesus? How do I be saved? And, and Jesus tells him, well, you have to be born again. Okay, and they, that might be a, a common phrase for us, but, but for Nicodemus, he'd never heard that before, and, and, and it's a weird thing to say. Um, I'm a full-grown man. How, how can I be born again? But, but that's the way that Jesus is choosing to describe what it means to become his follower, to put faith in him. It, it, it's almost as though you start again. It's almost as though you were born into something new, into something different, into a new family, into a new destiny, into a new identity. And this is what Peter says is part of the gospel story that, that you and I, when we put our confidence and faith in Jesus, we are born into this living hope. Now, this was significant for Peter. His life trajectory when he met Jesus changed radically. In fact, his name wasn't even Peter. Turn with me to, to Matthew 16. Let's, let's read this story of, of him and Jesus. And it says this, uh, starting verse 13. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? Okay, this phrase, the Son of Man, he's it, it, talking about himself. Who, who do people say that I am? He, he had been walking, he'd been teaching, he had been doing these miracles and causing a ruckus, and, and, and people were forced to have opinions about him and try to find him and try to understand who he is. And so he asked his disciples, well, what have you heard? What are people saying that I am? And, and they replied, well, some, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And, and so they're saying, well, I've heard this, and, and, and people are trying to say this, and, and maybe you're some kind of weird reincarnation of one of our, our, our historic champions. And, and then Jesus turns us pretty personally, says, but what about you? What about you? Who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter, who, who at this time is just Simon, answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. You're not a prophet, not a teacher. You're the son of God. 
You're the one that we've been waiting for. You're the one who we put our confidence in. You're the one who we follow. And Jesus replies, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome in this conversation, Jesus changes his name from Simon to Peter. This word Petros, it means rock. He became the rock. That's awesome, right? Simon, God has revealed this to you. You're right. This is the story that I'm telling. I've come from, I've come from heaven. I've come from the Father. I've come to bring salvation. And, and you are the rock. And on you, I'm going to build my church. He's born into a new destiny, a living hope. And yet, from that point when he became the rock, he, he still fumbled quite a bit. In fact, later in that same chapter, Jesus begins to tell his disciples, hey, I'm, I'm going to be going towards a cross. I'm going to be put to death, and I'll raise again in three days. And this is where Peter is going to correct him. No, no, no. This will, nev- this will never happen. I'm the rock, and I will protect you. Right? And, and, and Jesus tells him, Get behind me, Satan, for you have the things of, in, of man in mind and not the things of God. And so we see that, that, that he's born into this new family, this new destiny, but yet he's also born into a living hope. What does a living hope look like? It's inexhaustible grace from God that, that he is given this new destiny and, and then God is going to walk with him, helping him, strengthening him, encouraging him, challenging him. Forgiving him when he, when, when, when he fails, when he needs grace. And, and the word that we use for this, the, the, the theological term, and we have these, these really good, fancy theological terms. It's kind of like ordering Starbucks. Like you can't just get a medium, you have to have a grande. The, the, the theological term for this is something we call sanctification. It, it, it's a change of trajectory that I have been given this new family, this new identity, this new destiny, and, and yet I, I'm, I'm still wrestling with what it means to be human. But as I walk forward, the power of God is active in my life and it is shaping me to be more and more like him. Philippians 1, 6 says this, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it to completion until the day Jesus Christ. That's a living hope. That when we step into the family of God, when we step into the story that is called the gospel through our proclamation in Jesus and through our faith, that, that this good work is begun in us and God's going to see it through. That's a living hope that we're born into. It's inexhaustible. It's not ending. We are people in Jesus who always have a reason to hope. No matter what life brings, no matter what happens, we always have a reason to be people of hope. So the implications for us and this, how are we born into this new hope, into this new family? 2 Corinthians 5, starting in verse 16 says, so from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come and the old has gone. The new is here. If anyone is in Christ, born into Christ, into this belief, the old is gone and the new has come. This new hope, this new destiny. 
All of this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We have been transformed by this story called the gospel, born into something new, born into a hope that is never ending, and now we are storytellers of this gospel. We are people who are relaying this to the world, this message of reconciliation, this message of being born into this new hope. So this is what Peter is telling us, that, that, that at our worst, when we bring our most broken, when we bring our worst, it is not bigger than God's best. That's new hope. That's living hope. That we're born into this family, this destiny, this living hope. And he goes on and says, a living hope and an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. An inheritance, and an inheritance means something that's for you that's yet to come, right? Something that, that, that's for you that you don't have yet, but, but you will get it. And, and, and this inheritance that, that he's talking about in this story, is, it doesn't perish, it doesn't spoil it, it, it doesn't fade. My, uh, my grandma, who lives in uh, Arizona, my, my family handles inheritance really strange, and maybe yours does too, but, but if you were to go to my grandma's house and look at her furniture or maybe some of her nice dishes, or, or some of the art that she has, and, and go and look at the back of it, you'll see a piece of tape with someone's name on it. Yes, it's, it's what you're thinking. So that when she dies, it's already claimed. That's weird, right? Is it just me? I think that's so morbid and weird, but that's how my family rolls, and, and that's what inheritance is. Like, when I'm gone, you're going to get something, right? And, 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 and it's an important thing to think about and to do, and I, I was recently this summer actually working on life insurance and, and, and making sure that you know, everything's taken care of and I found out I might be worth more dead than alive, <laughs> which is kind of a scary thought. Um, but, but the idea of inheritance is that, that, that when I'm gone or when someone's gone, the thing that's been waiting for you will arrive. And the other thing about an, an inheritance is whatever that thing is, eventually it will either perish, spoil, or fade. If it's, if it's money, if it's possessions, if it's a, a, a deed, if it's a trust fund, whatever it is, it, it's not inexhaustible. It's, it's a type of inheritance that might be useful, but it's not going to last forever. But there's a different type of inheritance. There's a different type of inheritance that, 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 that isn't something necessarily physical, that isn't something I can hand to you, but, but it's something that lasts and that continues on. Phil mentioned uh, earlier that, that he was at a, a memorial service this Thursday, and I was with him, and, and actually a lot of people from our Mosaic family were there, and it was a memorial service for, for Paul Rhodes. And uh, we've, we've talked a lot the last three or four weeks about Paul and, and his passing and what that has meant for us as a community. And, and, and we'll probably keep talking about it for a while because that's, that's part of grieving. That's part of celebrating his life. And, and I was at this memorial gathering, and... Um, it wasn't in this building because we needed a bigger building, and it was just packed of people who have been impacted by this man's life. And, and uh, there were, were people who got up who, know, who knew him for years and years and years and, and shared stories about how he invested in him, them and, 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 and things that he did and, and things that he did for the kingdom. And, and in everything that was mentioned, no one mentioned his stuff. 
right? No one, no one mentioned his houses that he bought or the cars that he had or, or his job or his 401k. The things that they mentioned are things that, that don't go away. It was the internal investments, the eternal things that last and that go on and on. And it was so rich and meaningful to hear the people sharing how he had invested in them eternally. And that's what Peter is saying here. The inheritance we have, the inheritance we have in this gospel story is something that time can't touch. It doesn't perish. There's no expiration date. We don't run out of this hope. It's inexhaustible. It doesn't spoil. It doesn't even fade. There's not a diminishing return. And so I think for my life and for your life, we, we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know what tomorrow has. We don't know what the next day has. Man, I, I, I've been fortunate in my life to have good health for the most part, but, but I can't control that even. And, and yet, no matter what we go through in life, what we go through in the human experience, no matter what that is, we orient ourselves to this, this truth that, that because of this story, the, the, the gospel implications of the story, there's an inheritance that God has for us that doesn't go, that doesn't fade, that cannot be taken, it cannot be stolen, it doesn't rust, moths can't eat it. It's there, an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. And then he continues in verse five and he says, that it's shielded by God's power. That this inheritance, this hope, and that these people are shielded by God's power. What an amazing, amazing truth in reality. We read about um, Peter's story. And, and, and like I said, I love Peter's story because we get to read the highs, but we also get to read all the folly, all the mistakes that he makes. And, and uh, one of the, 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 the main ones that happens to Peter, and we read about it in the end of Matthew, and it's before Jesus is going to be arrested and eventually go to the cross, and he's having one last dinner with his disciples, and and he, he tells Peter, hey, you're, you're going to betray me. Before, on this night, before the rooster even crows, before it's the, the, you know, the sun comes up, you're going to betray me, not just once, but, but three times. Now, Peter, he's, he's the rock, right? He's like fully living into this identity. He's carrying a sword around. He's, never, I'll never betray you. And then, wait, we know the story, right? The, 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 Jesus is arrested and, and, and Peter's approached by three different people and he doesn't just deny, he venomously denies, I don't know this man. And he shouts down curses and, and then the rooster crows and, and he's humiliated. He goes running off. He's fallen. And at the end of John's gospel, we read that, that Jesus reinstates him. He, he says, listen, do you love me? If you love me, feed my sheep. And he asks him this three times and responds three times by telling them, feed my sheep, feed my sheep. And, and so we see this man who has every good intention and wants to follow Jesus, but he's so feeble. He's so eaten up by his own humanity and his own brokenness. And so after Jesus asks him these questions, and Jesus, in the beginning of Acts, that's right after the book of John, he's ascending back into heaven, and he tells his disciples and, and others to go and wait in this upper room, this, this, this second floor of, of a building, until they are clothed with power from on high. And then in Acts 2, we read about the, the arrival of the Holy Spirit, the power of God resting on men and women. And then a new Peter steps out, 
There's some kind of ruckus going on when, when the Holy Spirit shows up. It says there's tongues of fire in their heads and they're speaking in languages that they don't know and, and there's thousands of people around who are hearing this and being like, what's going on? I, th- I think they might be drinking. This is crazy. It's only like 11 in the morning. And then Peter steps out. And this isn't the Peter of his own will, of his own mustering his strength. I'm the rock and this is, this is what I see and this is what I do and I'm gonna, I'm gonna take charge. And he steps out empowered by the Holy Spirit and preaches this same gospel story boldly. And it tells us in Acts 2 that in that day, 3,000 people said, yeah, I want to follow that Jesus. I believe in that story too. I believe in that gospel. Shielded by God's power. The power that, that, that is in the gospel isn't found in us and in our will. It's found in God, in his power. This is who he is. The, point, the, the, the piece of the equation that we bring is our faith and our belief in him. Peter continues in verse six. He says this. In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that proven genuineness of your faith of greater wealth than gold which perishes even though refined by fire may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with the inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your soul. And the entire book of Peter is rich like this. I, I'm so excited for this next month. But he says, your, your faith, the part of you that is putting belief and stock in this gospel story, that's worth more than gold. Even pure gold that's been refined by fire eventually is gonna be reclaimed by this earth. But your faith, your faith is how you step into this gospel story. This, this belief that Jesus is the son of God, that he did come and live a perfect, sinless human life, that he was put to death and by the power of God after three days, he was rose into life and now by putting our confidence in him and professing him, we too are part of that story. That's a good story. This is the story that he has told and this is the story that has captivated Peter and he says this at the beginning of this book because everything else comes from this. As we go week in week of of September into this teaching, you're going to hear this word, therefore, a lot. Because of the gospel story, because of the power of God and, and, and being born into this new hope, therefore, we can be these people. We can do these things. We're called to this reality. Peter is convinced by this story, by this gospel. And so we, like, like Jesus' disciples and like Peter, are confronted with that same question that he asked his disciples. Who do you say that I am? What what is this story, what does this gospel mean to you? Is it just good advice? Is uh, is, Is it just a religious structure? Or are these the words of life? Are these the words of God? Who do you say that I am? I want to read this last scripture from Ephesians says Ephesians 1, 1, 14, and you also 
were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, this true good story, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promise of the Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. This, this is our story. If we put our confidence and belief in Jesus, this is our story. When we answer that question, who do you say that I am? And we respond, as Peter did, and you're the son of God. You're the redeemer of all humanity. And we confess and we believe in you and we want to follow you. This, this becomes our story. We're, we're going to continue today by, by taking communion. And, and these this elements on this table, the, the bread and the juice, they represent, they're, they're icons that represent the gospel. The spilling of, of Jesus' blood, the, the, the breaking of his body, so that this gospel story is not just a story, but, but that it's true and that it's a living hope for us. And so we're going to continue our worship and we're going to come to these tables and we're going to sing and we're going to celebrate that all these words that we have read this morning in the book of Peter are true and they're powerful. Father, I, I, um, I pray uh, as, we, as we hear these words, as we talk about the story uh, that you told through your son called the gospel, um, that, we would, that we would hear it as life and truth and with fresh ears this morning that the implications of this story would be powerful for us as, as individuals, but also us as a community of people who now tell this gospel story to our city and to the world around us. And Jesus, we come to these tables remembering you, remembering the sacrifice that makes this story true and real. And we worship you. We love you in your name. Amen.